Nah, Barack is actually one of my, he is one of my favorite impressions to do. So it is good to see you again, by the way. Yes, it it's, really good. Is. it's good to see you again, too. <laughs> Come on now. That is good. Oh, that is good. Life is good for him. I got to say, I, I was talking to Valerie Jarrett about <laughs> President Obama, and I was like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he needs now, to put... Now, that's a name drop. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> that well... is a name drop. <laughs> yes, it is. And I was saying, I was saying, you know, maybe we need to go back to mom jeans days, because right now we're a little hard for the average American to connect with my, my former boss, President Obama. <laughs> Oh my God, that is so funny. Hey, it's Johanna Masca. And on this episode of Press Advance, I want to talk about political bias. We see it in so many places. How the media reports on politicians, how people from all different political ideologies interpret what they see on the news. And let's be honest, there's bias on both sides of the political spectrum. If it's a person you support, you're more inclined to agree with them, even when they might be wrong. If they have the party behind their name, there's an instant judgment. If it's a woman saying something, you might think something different than if it's a man. I mean, we all do it. But as we dive into the Republican candidates, some who don't look like the first 43 presidents of the United States or the 45th and 46th president of the United States, I wanted to check my bias. And so to do that, I had my friend, comedian Matt Friend, help me out. If you don't follow Matt Friend already, he has a lot of talents. I know you do President Trump's voice. You're doing Ron DeSantis' voice. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. He's one I do. A lot of people love it. People say some say it's the greatest impression anybody's ever heard. Actually, a lot of people say that, Joanna. She's a great woman. She's kind of nasty, but it's OK. Let's keep going. Yeah, I, I think he would show. probably consider me a little nasty, <laughs> nasty person. You're a ter- you, you and Caitlin Collins, terrible people. Well, OK, gosh, if I was if I was doing that Caitlin Collins thing, there were so many <laughs> things I wanted to push back on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, insane. It was really rough. There I am judging Caitlin Collins. See, I can judge. I do judge myself just as harshly, to be clear. And we all do it. But I was analyzing Sarah Huckabee Sanders' speech after the State of the Union. And see, I believe that to whom much is given, much is expected. So I thought I need to give her a fair critique. And after I got done listening to her speech, I caught myself wondering if I had heard that same speech in someone else's voice, would I judge it as harshly? So I asked my friend, Matt Friend, to start reading the speech Sarah Huckabee Sanders delivered that night in the voice of my former boss to test my theory. From out of control inflation and violent crime to the dangerous border crisis and threat from China, Biden and the Democrats have failed you. They know it and you know it. It's time for a change. Tonight, let us reaffirm our commitment to a timeless American idea that government exists not to rule the people, but to serve the people. Adversity and fear of the unknown can paralyze us, but faith propels us to change 
boldly ahead. We can't stand still in the face of great challenges. You and I were put on this earth for such a time as this to charge boldly ahead. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It is time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Hmm. It's, you know, in listening to that, it's funny because you have a feeling, right? You get this feeling. You do. You do. That's the power of Obama, by the way. It's just such a swag. Well, it's very easy to write a woman off as crazy. I see it all the time. Like women in politics, whether it was Ivanka Trump or Nancy Pelosi, they have this lightning rod on their head that I think we often don't judge it by what they're saying. I want to go back to President Obama's 2004 speech because DNC. Yeah, that one is, I think, you know, a powerful speech in which uh, he talked about like no red states or no blue states. There's a United States of America. I'd love that in Trump's voice, though. In Trump's voice. Okay, let's do that. You ready, honey? Let's do that. Let's go. This is great. Well, what I can tell you is there is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There is the United States of America. The pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states. Red states for Republicans, blue states for Democrats. But I've got news for them, too. We worship an awesome God in the blue states, and we don't like federal agents poking around our libraries in the red states. We coach Little League in the blue states and have gay friends in the red states. There are patriots who oppose the war in Iraq and patriots who supported it. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the stars and the stripes, all of us defending the United States of America. Okay. First of all, for Trump, so unnatural. It wasn't it wasn't his tendency to talk about what we agreed on. But it is interesting because some of that stuff he tried to say, like sometimes Trump. maybe. Yeah, he would try bit. to say like, you know, um different elements of that. And yet if you didn't like the mascot of the team, you were so turned off by it. And it's and he wouldn't say there's not a black America. <laughs> He'd just say there's a different America for the blacks. There's another America for the Asians. And the blacks, they love America, right? The blacks have a different America. He just loves to say the blacks. He wouldn't say black America or African America. He just says the blacks. I just wanna say, like, I think America's strength is our diversity. And the fact that we are getting more diverse candidates actually on both sides, I think, is to our power because I truly— Exactly. Look at George Santos. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. George Santos. Oh, no. (laughs) But 
Um, (laughs) Besides George Santos, there are actually serious candidates on both sides of the aisle. I think it's to our power when we have people of every background, because I think America's strength is when we have people from diaspora communities around the world solving problems with our freedoms that then are sold to the world. We will maintain our economic dominance, but we will also have more moral clarity in doing so. But we saw some of this. We saw this from Tim Scott. He was using some of his bio to try to bring people together. And I think that it just somehow didn't. It felt a little cringe from my perspective. So I think that that could actually have an element of bias. It definitely does. It's completely biased. Absolutely. Wouldn't it have been crazy if Tim Scott ended the speech by saying, you're fired up. Ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you that was my favorite, favorite story he told on the campaign trail. And that that that, that was the best. That was the. Be- I actually used to end my uh, comedy sets and uh, when I was starting out by saying that to the crowd, I'd be like, "When I was on the campaign trail in 2008, I led a chant with the crowd. I'd say, you 'You're fired up.' Crowd would say, 'I'm ready to go.' So when I say you're fired up, I want you to say I'm ready to go. And the whole crowd would say I'm ready to go. And then I would get off stage. I was so lucky, Matt, because I guess you were still studying us at that point in time. But I was... In 2008? <laughs> I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was sitting in the buffer, which is like the area right in front of the crowd, right okay. in front of the president when he oh would start telling these stories. And it was like the first time I remember when he came back from South Carolina and he started telling that story. And and before that moment, it was actually like there – it was really hard because you'd have – I was a big enthusiast. I believed in President Obama. But you'd go to these events in Iowa and you'd bring all these Iowans together and they'd be like, oh, he's just a celebrity. You know, I don't see it. And then he started telling that fired up, ready-to-go story at the end of the speech. And I don't know how well you know the story. But it was, I mean, he would talk about, you know, going to a little room in South Carolina with a, um, you know, small crowd. And he's campaigning for president. And that happened more than you think. Like, you go to crowds and rooms where there are 12 people. And you're trying to get them on your side. Hey, by the way, that was Jeb Bush's biggest size, by the way, of a, <laughs> of a crowd when he was campaigning. Oh, Fun fact. it's not the power of your crowds. It's... <laughs> It's the story you tell. And that's what I wonder if... Sean Spicer would beg to differ, but okay. (laughs) You've studied us very well. You've studied the political world very well. The biggest crowd size anyone's ever seen, Joanna. So big. It was so big. That story, when he started telling that story of hope, I do think that's what got people the enthusiasm. And I always say it was actually a little lady with a church hat, Edith Childs, who told that story, who, who of course, was the one who was yelling, fired up, ready to go, fired up, ready to go. And his argument was if one voice can change a room, one voice. Then it can change. Yeah. Yeah, you tell yeah, it. I lo- you tell no, it. I, I, don't, I don't remember the exact wording. <laughs> if but one I, voice I've can just, change like, a room. If one voice can change a room, it can change a, uh, uh, it can a change city. A, and if it can change yes. a city, it can change a state. If it can change a state, it can change a country. Yeah, I, I love that. And if it can change God, a country, it can, can change, change the, the world. world. Right. Uh, and the, the best. That I fundamentally still 
agree with, which is yes. why I'm trying to launch this little podcast. No, it's amazing. <laughs> Try I, to, lo- I love it. I, Try to get I our bias. It. Yeah. So You're going to be the reverse Joe Rogan. Okay, Joanna? <laughs> Try to right? bring some faith in government. Me, the lone voice. Yeah. Not exactly. <laughs> the cheerleader exactly. for institutions. So let's go to the Trump Town Hall because the Trump Town Hall, honestly, Matt, that was hard for me because <laughs> I want to, I want to call out my own side. So I'm. Let me just say this, Joanna. Before you get into it, I have one thing to say. Vagina. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was the highlight of the town hall. I know. He said it. Can he said it. Just can saying. I also though tell you, Matt, I remember when President Biden came to the first state of women summit that Mrs. Obama hosted with Oprah, and he kept talking about like protecting women and I to think he may have said vagina, but it was like oh, protecting God. women over and over. And I was like, oh, God, again, like, oh, stop. You said Oprah was there? Yeah, Oprah was there. It was what like, did she say? She would say vajayjay, right? Isn't that what she used to say? <laughs> I don't know. I have a mother. She tells me things. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, I... Yeah, <laughs> Come on, I'm going to just do a video after politicians say... I think the grossest one would be Ted Cruz. Vagina. I mean, oh, that just sounds God. really particularly disgusting. You know, it's... um. I don't know how much politicians need to go there. <laughs> like, yeah. We can we can talk about protecting people, but it is actually a big debate. It makes it easier to to digest. Like I imagine him reading the famous Access Hollywood tape and he was like, "When you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. You can grab by the pussy. Come on now. You know what I mean? Come on. Not we can bleep that out." You can bleep that out, but, you know, it, somehow it feels better. <laughs> I can't imagine him saying that. Like, <laughs> No, I know. He, I know. That's why it's good for a comedian, well, but it's it's hard to believe. It yeah. is. And I, you know, I think had I heard that, I would have been like, oh, holy God. But, but then there's this thing where you have enthusiasm for your team and you root for your team. And this happened during the Clinton administration. So, you know, during the Clinton administration, uh, Bill Clinton, who I'm guessing you probably have that voice, too. I, I love doing Bill. <laughs> I love doing Bill. Well, and- you know that Joanna? You know that Joanna's a cutie pie? <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> All right, man. I didn't say it, by the way. Bill can. said it. You can. You can. He says okay, it. Okay, go well, Yeah, okay, gotcha. And here's, okay. <laughs> here's a guy who legit had... Um, whether Monica Lewinsky was willing or not, he... Used his power. Why? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) He used his power to, I think, put her in a situation where a scandal would be named after her and her entire life would be upended um, as a, you know, young girl. This was a Bill Clinton scandal. He's the one who did that. Fine, takes two to tango. But, like, he should have known better. My God. But yet, like, so many, you know, would say, oh, it's President Clinton. So because it's President Clinton, I support President Clinton. He shouldn't—he couldn't have done anything wrong. He's supporting women in these different ways. And you— you side with your team, which is so weird. Um, okay, so on the Trump Town Hall, we got to get yes. back to the Trump Town Hall because that. that Trump Town Hall was the moment that I was like, you know, oh my God, this is so excruciating. How oh can God. I call out my own when we could end up 
with this guy again, which to me, it's like, this is not going to bring us together. This is going to be like super toxic. And as, you know, old as Joe Biden is, I don't feel like, you know, he's saying the same kind of excruciating things all the time. So can we go to the Trump Town Hall and just read a couple things from the Trump Town Hall in the Obama voice? Okay, here we go. The question is, why should Americans put you back in the White House? Because we did it fantastically. We got 12 million more votes than we had in, as you know, in 2016. I actually say we did far better in that election, got the most that anybody's ever gotten as a sitting president of the United States. I think that when you look at that result and when you look at what happened during that election, unless you're a very stupid person, you see what happens. A lot of the people, a lot of the people in this audience, (laughs) and perhaps maybe a couple that don't, but most people understand what happened. That was a rigged election, and it's a shame that we had to go through it. It's very bad for our country. All over the world, they looked at it, and they saw exactly what everyone else saw. (laughs) And if you look with the 51 intelligence agents, That made a 16-point difference. You look at the taxes. You look at inflation. What's happened to inflation? It's just destroying our country. We have really become, in many ways, a third-world country. And it's very sad what's happened in this administration. And Caitlin Collins, you are a terrible person. I could never imagine. He He would never criticize the United States of America. Because he also wouldn't say fantastically, most (laughs) important. (laughs) But for all of our flaws that we have that are wholeheartedly there, he would never have criticized our country because we have things that the rest of the world craves. It's also just what Trump did from the onset of his presidency, like in his inauguration speech, he painted this very grim picture of America. And like it was like almost like a zombie apocalypse, like an apocalyptic America that like there's blood in the streets. Whereas Obama's was just speeches of optimism and hope for the future. And Trump taps into not even with bias, just read the words on the page. Like he taps into this kind of negative outlook on America that like we're hurting and everything is horrible. And he he's the only guy in the world that can fix it. Whereas Obama kind of champions this more optimistic approach. You know, and yet in Galesburg, Illinois, I know people who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump. And um, to some extent, I think that people are hungry for someone who is going to actually protect them. And we didn't perfectly. So, gosh, it's It depends on the person. I mean, who you're talking about, too, because I think there's the idea of what Trump tapped into of— a lot of like white people in like middle America who felt they were being forgotten under the Obama presidency. As many people as you could say, maybe it was about race. Like David Duke was also in that same election. He ran David Duke of the KKK. And oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone does. But he. David Duke of Duke University men's <laughs> basketball. He ran and he got like no percentage. And so and in that same election, a lot of people voted for Donald Trump. And so I would argue that there is a certain segment that just 
doesn't want to be forgotten, but isn't racist. They want other people to thrive, too. They just don't feel like they're thriving. And so I don't know who's going to speak to that. So isn't that interesting, though, how Trump is still has this huge base? He does. That, he does. But some people look, they're hurting right now. The economy is, the inflation is really hard. My dad said in Galesburg, like our grocery store is Walmart because most of the local stores closed down. And he goes to Walmart and people can barely put anything in their cart because it's gotten so expensive. So I... I don't know what we're going to do, but we have to have you back throughout I would this love to campaign. Come back. I would love to stay in touch because, one, we all need to go to your show. Um, oh, my God, please. So you do shows in D.C., in New York. You're kind of like you tour all the time. You're in L.A. Yeah, soon. I'm starting to starting to roll out a tour. The tickets are on my website, mattfriend.com dash stand up. I'm starting to hit a bunch of headline in a bunch of different cities. I just did the Kennedy Center in D.C. I headline there the Millennium Stage. Um, and then just working on a full hour now and there's a lot of, lot of material here. It's, it's kind of crazy. Well, you, you do this so well and, uh, I really appreciate that you can help me. I do think that comedians sometimes have a really important role in our society of calling out our bias and the, you know, those You're talking about Greg Gutfeld, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not Greg Gutfeld. No, I don't think Greg Gutfeld is one who's calling out our bias anytime soon. (laughs) But there are others who do. You know, I think that when we see that, it is actually the best thing that we can do is to reflect in the mirror at this moment and say, what is it that we want as a country moving forward? to thank my friend, comedian Matt Friend, man of many voices, for helping me out here, and I hope it helped you. If we're going to make progress, we need to start listening to the things that people say instead of who's saying them. That's it for this episode of Press Advance. Our motto for the Iowa campaign for President Obama was respect, empower, include, and gosh, I think we could get back to that in politics. That is exactly what I want to do on Press Advance. And I'd love to have the audience involved. So if you're listening to this, please find me on social media at Johanna Masca. Send me what you think and let me know if I should read it on the podcast. Please follow us, rate and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.